Hello, fellow inmates. It's your old pal Mitch Ben, and we are confined to barracks. Yeah, I did think about calling this confined to barracks with Mitch Ben, but let's face it, that's a fate that few would dare even contemplate. I hope you are all well. I hope you're all keeping good. I hope you're all behaving yourselves. I hope you're all doing everything you can to minimise transmission and infection. I hope you're all adjusting to the new reality. And that's the idea of the podcast, is to help you adjust. Until this crisis abates, hopefully once a week at least, I'll be posting one of these podcasts in which I will be speaking to my more notable, noteworthy and notorious pals and we will be suggesting things that we can all do to stay sane and positive during these times of siege and pestilence. Uh, I already have some great guests lined up, already got a couple of episodes in the can, but I thought I would start off with this short preview episode in which I explain the idea of the podcast and which I give you my ideas. The first thing we're going to ask my guest to recommend is a book uh, to read, or indeed listen to, be it a paper book, an e-book, or indeed an audio book. Now, I'm going to recommend two books right now, uh, first of which is maybe particularly relevant to people of my vintage, and the second of which uh, has perhaps a little more universal appeal. First book I'm going to recommend is, well, I was going to say it's by a couple of friends of mine, but technically it's by a friend of mine and a friend of his. Scarred for Life is by Steve Brotherston, who I was at school with, primary school specifically, so I've known him since, well, the Bronze Age, I think, and his pal Dave Lawrence. This is a book about 1970s pop culture, specifically British pop culture, and how bloody terrifying it all was, particularly if, like us, you were a kid at the time. Um, This book is kind of self-published. Well, it's up on lulu.com. That's how you get hold of it. You uh, find its listing on lulu.com and click on that and they will print one out and send it to you. This is a very weighty tome indeed. It's like a sort of little miniature phone directory and is an incredibly comprehensive guide to its subject matter. I understand that Steve and Dave are working on the second volume, which will, of course, be about the 80s, and that should be out in due course and I'll let everybody know over Twitter and Facebook when it is. But right now, particularly if you are my age and you remember fondly and occasionally not so fondly, the stuff that you were bombarded with on the TV and radio and elsewhere and during your childhood, then Scarred for Life is definitely one for you. Another book uh, I'd like to recommend is the only book of which I believe the audiobook to be the definitive version. Um, it's I, Partridge, We Need to Talk About Alan, ostensibly by Alan Partridge, but by everybody who owns and runs Alan Partridge. Um, This is, as the title would suggest, Alan Partridge's autobiography. It came out in, I think, 2011 or 2012. It is one of the single funniest books I've ever read, except I didn't read it. I got the audiobook, and I would encourage you to do the same. Because the thing about this book is this. If you get the print version of Alan Partridge's autobiography, all you're going to do is read it out to yourself in your head in the Alan Partridge voice. And face it, Steve Coogan does the Alan Partridge voice better than you. So get the audio version and let Steve do it. It's about eight hours long and it's unrelentingly hilarious. Um, He has since done another book called Nomad, which is a kind of a travelogue, kind of a spoof travelogue. For my money, the autobiography is still the funniest, if only because a lot of the episodes it relates, if you've watched the TV shows, you've already seen these events. But of course, being that this is all told from Alan's point of view, he always presents himself in a far more heroic light than he actually behaved at the time. 
It's particularly good fun if, like me, you're a fan of autobiographies in general and flags up just how unreliable narrators' autobiographers tend to be. So, those are my two books, Scarred for Life by Steve Brotherston and Dave Lawrence, available from lulu.com, and I, Partridge, we need to talk about Alan, ostensibly by Alan Partridge, available from pretty much everywhere. The second thing I'm going to ask my guest to recommend is a TV show or movie that is currently available on one of the streaming services in the UK. Now, again, I'm going to recommend two. One that's going to be available to you if you have Now TV or Sky TV, and the other one which is available to pretty much everybody. If you have Now TV or access to Sky TV by some other means, um, and you didn't see The Outsider... I think it's still all up there for another few weeks, and you really should. It's an adaptation of a Stephen King novel. It was a 10-one-hour episode series broadcast by uh, Sky in the old-fashioned way, one episode at a time, one a week, which is weirdly stressful when you're used to the box set binge, and it's fantastic. It's one of the best Stephen King adaptations I've ever seen. It's incredibly atmospheric. It's wonderfully disturbing. It's got that kind of slow-burning sense of wrong rather than just jump scares. It's imaginatively directed all the way through. It has the great Ben Mendelsohn doing a good guy turn for once. I don't really know why people have decided that Ben Mendelsohn is the new Alan Rickman. He's actually really good at playing good guys. He has a kind of crumpled decency in this. And also, um, there's another leading character who is not actually described as such, but is fairly obviously meant to be autistic, which, as some of you may know, is a subject very close to my heart and indeed to my head. And it's quite a sensitive and fairly accurate depiction of autism. While it's hinted that this character does occasionally have sort of wacky Rain Man-esque savant powers, what it generally enables it to do is just have a degree of clarity of thinking that maybe the rest of the characters don't have. In particular, as events lead her towards a conclusion that everybody else finds unconscionable, she finds she can't help but come to this conclusion, even if it challenges what everybody else thinks about reality. So, yeah, The Outsider, do get a look at that. I think it's still up on Now TV for at least another month or so. But in the meantime, if you don't have Now TV, and indeed if you can't afford any paid streaming services, back on the good old BBC iPlayer, which is free for everybody, as long as you have a TV licence, which you still should have, um... I'm finding MasterChef weirdly compelling these days. This is all a bit of a surprise to me because I never really got into cookery shows. I was used to... Well, I guess it was that central contradiction of cookery shows I could never get my head around. Yep, looks great. I've just got to take your word for how good it tastes. <laughs> but what I've realised about particularly something like MasterChef is it's not really about the food. It's about the people and it's about the emotional peaks and troughs they go through while they're trying to get through this incredibly gruelling competition. My better half, Leslie, got me into it. Specifically, she got me into the MasterChef The Professionals series that was on a few months ago, where it's actual trained chefs going up against each other. And as you can imagine, the stuff they're producing is all seriously high-end. It's basically an art form for those guys. Um, but now it's back to MasterChef The Regular Punters and... Uh, Again, what's compelling about it is not really the food. It's the emotional journey that they all go on. And it's a reality show that builds people up. I can't bear reality shows that break people down. I don't mind reality shows that build people up. So, yeah, MasterChef. I think the whole of the current series is still up on the iPlayer. Uh, there's, there's something like about 27 episodes of it up there already, and it's only about halfway through. That's the other thing, is there's lots of it. <laughs> We've all got a bit of time in our hands, and this will eat that time for you quite successfully. So, yeah, if you've got Now TV, check out The Outsider. If you don't have Now TV, indulge in MasterChef. Why on earth not? 
The third thing I'm asking my guests to recommend is a podcast, and they are at liberty to recommend their own if they do one, which a lot of them do. But the podcast I'm going to recommend is my new favourite podcast, which is The Hammer House of Podcast. As the name suggests, this is a retrospective look at the horror movies produced by the British Hammer Studio from the late 1950s run until the mid-1970s. It's presented by the wonderful Paul Cornell, um, great writer of Doctor Who and other things besides, and the equally wonderful Elizabeth Miles. And these podcasts, particularly the sort of just conversational ones, a lot of it is down to how genial company the hosts are. And these two are wonderful. They really are. It's like spending good time in the company of great friends, as those kind of loose conversational podcasts should always be. In particular, Paul has some wonderfully idiosyncratic pronunciations, and it's always fun waiting for one of those turn up. And Lisbeth also has a, an endearingly demented crush on Peter Cushing. How much she likes a Hammer movie seems to be largely dependent on how much Peter Cushing is in it. I don't know if she's seen Rogue One. I'm rather dreading that coming up. The other thing this podcast absolutely gets right is the balance between free content and paid content. It's funded through Patreon, as indeed am I, of which more later. Um, but the main series of podcasts, the one just about the Hammer movies, that's free for everybody. But if you sign up to the Patreon, you gain access to a whole nother parallel series of podcasts in which they discuss the non-Hammer movies of the same era, uh, particularly but not exclusively the movies produced by the Amicus studio, who are kind of Hammer's arch rivals back in the 60s and 70s. So yes, a great balance struck there between the free-for-everyone content and the just-for-the-paying-hardcore content. I was going to say for the OnlyFans content, but that means something else these days. Yes, Hammer House of Podcast, available from pretty much everywhere podcasts are. The last thing I'm going to ask my guest to recommend is something we can do. Something positive we can do while we're all confined to quarters. A skill we can learn, a job we can get around to doing that we've been putting off. Just anything to improve your outlook and maybe even improve your quality of life while we're all stuck inside. Something I've been thinking we could do is actually learn how to cook more things from scratch. I'm sure you'll all have noticed by now that panic buying is set in and that the supermarkets are being well, basically denuded of everything but the really esoteric stuff. But one thing I'm noticing is that while the prepared stuff is being snaffed up, the ingredients tend to be being left behind. There's no bread from about nine o'clock in the morning, but there's still plenty of flour. So how about we all learn how to bake our own bread again? How would that be? I mean, apologies, obviously, if you're gluten intolerant, this is not a lot of use to you. You may still be able to find gluten-free flour somewhere, but yeah, that's an almost lost art, isn't it? Who the hell knows how to bake their own bread these days? But that's something we could all learn to do. We'll learn how to cook more things from scratch. You see, one of the good things about the fact that this has happened in the year 2020 rather than in the year 1980 is we live in the digital age. There are literally thousands of hours of free tuition available to you right now to learn how to do pretty much anything you want to do. If you hit up YouTube, there are videos teaching you how to do everything from knit your own socks to play the guitar solo from the final countdown. So if you do find yourself at a loose end, and let's face it, we are going to find ourselves at the odd loose end from time to time. Go and have a look online. See if there's something you've always been meaning to learn how to do. There'll be somebody online who'll teach you how to do it for free. So, yeah. And if you just get really, really bored, you could always start your own podcast. So that's the plan. Thank you for listening to that. And this should be the only time in this podcast when mine is the only voice you have to listen to. But while I'm here, just before I go, if I could make a quick appeal on behalf of independent creators everywhere. Now, first of all, I understand that nobody is owed a living for doing something they love. 
I get that. I really do. But all those movies and TV shows and box sets that everybody suddenly now has the time to watch, everybody in those is a self-employed freelancer. All the actors in those movies and TV shows, self-employed freelancers. Everybody from the leading man and woman all the way down to the background artist, self-employed freelancers. The people who wrote it were self-employed freelancers. The directors were self-employed freelancers. All the music you're listening to on the radio, the people who wrote and recorded that were self-employed freelancers. Now, maybe this will have changed by the time you hear this. I certainly hope it's going to change. But as it stands right now in this country, in the UK, while people who are employed and on a salary, the government is going to guarantee their income up to a ceiling of 80% of that salary or 25 grand. I understand that's a massive pay cut for a lot of people, but it is still money to live on. By contrast, if you are a self-employed freelancer, as are all the artists and creators I've just mentioned, right now we're being told to apply for statutory sick pay. That's it. Apply. We're not even being guaranteed to get it. We're being told to apply for £94 a week statutory sick pay. £94 a week. Now, to give you a bit of context, the rent on the one-bedroom flat in which I live is £300 a week. Now, again, to reiterate, I understand nobody is owed a living for doing the thing they love. But if, when, in the immortal words of Simon Pegg, this all blows over, we want to emerge into a world in which there are still singer-songwriters and indie bands, and stand-up comedians who don't have their own TV show, and independent filmmakers or first-time novelists or any of that kind of people, then please, if you can, try and support your favourite independent creators during this crisis. Now, you don't actually have to spend money to do this. I'll point that out right now. I realise times are going to be tight for pretty much all of us for the foreseeable future, but this needn't be a case of spending money. Now, if you've got the money to spare, then great, absolutely. If you like somebody's music, download their music and download it from, say, Bandcamp rather than any of the bigger download sites because that's the way they actually get to keep the money. Uh, if the artist in question has a Patreon account, as I do, patreon.com slash MitchBen for reference sake, then feel free to sign up. It could, as it does in my case, cost you as little as $1 a month, but that's going to be an absolutely vital source of income just to keep things ticking over for people who are otherwise being left completely high and dry. But if you don't have the money to spare, there's still things you can do. If the artist in question has a YouTube channel, just hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel. That's all. Doesn't cost you anything, and you don't even actually have to watch their videos. But if you hit that subscribe button, if their subscriber numbers go up above a certain level, then they start to make money out of their YouTube channel. Similarly, if somebody, say, posts a funny video on Facebook that you like, don't just hit like. Hit share. If somebody posts a funny video on Twitter that you like, don't just hit the little heart button. Hit the retweet button. Because that's what these people need. We can't just all keep going back to the fans who are already supporting us and asking for yet more and more support. We need to make new fans. So yeah, if somebody's doing something and you like it, don't just hit like, hit share, hit retweet. Okay, end of lecture, cap out of hand and back on head. Thank you so much for listening to this. Please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform on which you found this podcast. I'll be back in a few days with the first of my celebrity guests. And yeah, we're going to get through this. I'm Mitch Ben. I'll see you soon. <laughs>